book of Luke, chapter number 7. Luke, chapter 7 in the, in the scriptures. <clears throat> I was relieved to hear that I didn't have COVID-19. They said you have the bubonic plague. <laughs> I said, Phew. As long as it's not COVID-19. <laughs> I'm, I'm just teasing. I hope you know that. <laughs> Some folks are like, really? Somebody call the CDC quick. <laughs> well, Luke chapter 7 in the Word of God and verse number 36 and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city that was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which, was, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thy house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. <clears throat> but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee, Go in peace. Lord, we pray that you would bless the Word of God to every heart. Open the eyes of our spiritual understanding, we pray. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. This is a passage that has often been expounded by Bible teachers for many years. As I studied this, there's some debate amongst teachers about who this really is. Some believe that this was Mary Magdalene, for in the following chapter, Mary Magdalene is introduced to us. Now, Mary Magdalene was a woman 
with a past and a reputation that had been demon-possessed, but this is not Mary Magdalene. This is a nameless woman. In fact, some have suggested that because Mary of Bethany performed a similar act of love on Jesus with a similar mean, that perhaps it was Mary of Bethany. But this was in Capernaum or perhaps Nain. It was not in Bethany. It could not have been Mary of Bethany. The fact is that I believe that she is a nameless sinner woman as a mercy from the Lord who allowed her to escape the stigma of sin past and chart a new life and a new course in Jesus Christ. But as I study this passage, and on Monday I, I, I settled on this passage for my message this week, and every day from that time until the present, there was one verse that kept coming to my mind over and over and over again. Now many of you that are here, all of you perhaps, know John 3.16. It is perhaps the most well-known verse in all of the Bible. But there are many that know verse 16 that do not know verse 17, which is the verse that the Lord brought to my mind over and over again as I read this passage. And it says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. You see, Jesus did not come to this home to condemn anyone there. He came there that they might be saved. And the fact is that This morning, I want to bring you a message entitled, Love in the House. Love in the House. Now, that's a wonderful thought, isn't it? Wouldn't it be great if every home had love dwelling within the house? It would be wonderful. Yet love, Jesus, who is love, the personification of it, He came into Simon's house. There were two different responses to that love that we consider today. One was a response of Simon, the other of this woman of disrepute. Jesus came to dinner that evening, and we see the the discourse there. And I want you to know a little bit about the history and the culture that helped set the stage for the message that we consider this morning. That is that back in the time of Christ, in that part of the world, it was... Their custom, whenever a guest was invited to dinner, that all those that lived in the area, although not invited guests, would be permitted to come into the banquet hall of the home and stand around and observe the dinner and listen to the conversation. Now at that time, they had neither internet or television, not even radio or newsprint, And so one of the ways that they got information and news was by sitting around a table like this and listening. It was fascinating for them. It was informative, educational, and it was entertaining. This, however, was a different instance because Jesus had been teaching and preaching and the Pharisees had been contending with Jesus, thinking Him to be an imposter. But nevertheless, as He made His way through the area of Capernaum and to Nain, He was surrounded by people, and when he was invited by one of the Pharisees, it was big news in the town. And so there were those that gathered around. And there was a a sinful woman 
From everything that I can ascertain, the Bible indicates to us that she was a sinful woman. And from uh, a study of all the commentaries that I could find in my library, I discovered that the consensus was that the woman was a prostitute who had gathered together there with all of the company of folks in the banquet hall to watch and to observe. And she was not there because she wanted to uh, get the, the pickings off the table. She was not there because she just wanted information or education. She was there because Jesus was there. And that is very obvious as we go throughout the course of this particular event. And so, that's what brings us to this moment. Simon, a Pharisee, has invited Jesus into his home. People are standing around, and now there is a woman, a prostitute, that is there weeping on the floor behind Jesus. Now in those days, they would not sit at a normal table at a regular sized chair, but rather the table was built perhaps 12 or maybe at the most 18 inches off of the ground. The table was set with the food and people would sit around the table on what amounted to, to couches or like chase lounges. Jesus would have been couched or lounged beside the table, leaned up, propped up perhaps on his arm with his feet, hanging off of the chase behind him. And the woman of disrepute now is on the floor at the feet of Jesus. And she's weeping and sobbing. And as she is, the tears are falling from her eyes onto the feet of Jesus, His dusty, dirty feet, such was the flow of tears that she was able with them to literally wash the feet of Jesus and to dry His feet with the hairs of her head. And then to anoint His feet with a very precious ointment. And that brings us to the story itself where we discover the man that invited Jesus. And in this we find the loveless Simon. Simon didn't invite Jesus to his house because he wanted to be kind. He didn't invite Jesus to his house because he wanted to be hospitable. He didn't even do it because he wanted to show off. He did it because he, like all of the other Pharisees, believed Jesus to be an imposter. And he wanted to get a little closer look at this man called Jesus to try to detect some chink in his armor, something for which Jesus might be accused, that he might take back to the rulers of the Jews and bring accusation against the Lord. And so he did not bring Jesus to show him any kindness. He did not bring Jesus to his home to show him any love. He, was, he, he demonstrated himself to be entirely empty of love or anything that resembled it. He did not express love or even the simplest form of respect for Jesus as evidenced by His lack of basic courtesy. Now, the basic standard of the day was that when you invited a guest into your home, especially for a meal, that you would provide them water with which to wash. You would put it in a basin. You would provide that to them. Now, if you had, a, had an honored guest you would see to it that their feet were washed with water. But the least you would do 
would be to provide water for them to wash with. Well, Simon did not do any such thing. And in fact, some have asserted whether perhaps in all the excitement of having Jesus, he forgot. No, listen, this was not something that a man of his standing and stature would have given leave of. He would have automatically chosen to do that, but because he had no regard for who Jesus was, and he thought him to be an imposter, he was just a dusty Nazarene to him. He didn't think to offer him water to wash with. That was the basic, the least courtesy that he could have extended. In those days, the common greeting was to kiss someone on the cheek. It was a form and sign of love and respect for someone. The Apostle Paul often said, greet one another with a holy kiss. But he did no such thing when Jesus came into his home. In the prior services, I shared with the folks that last night, the the brand new air conditioning system we had installed just seven weeks ago, six and a half, seven weeks ago, it stopped running. And we had to call the installer and tell them that the air conditioner wasn't working, the house was getting hot. So he sent a, a repairman out last night to our home, and, and the repairman was there and, and found something that needed to be handled that was still under warranty, obviously, we were grateful for and he was there maybe an hour and a half or two doing the work and making sure that we had cool air flowing into our home. And during the course of the time that he was there, I went out many times, but I, I believe I went out three, I know at least two times, and I asked him, would you like a cold bottle of water or could I offer you a cold bottle of Gatorade? It's really hot out here. He was working with the blowtorch and uh, that added to the heat for him and he was sweating profusely and I was I was just out there trying to be a help to him, saying, can I hold the lantern for you? It was dark on that side of the house, and, and uh, could I do anything to be a help to you? Now, I wasn't out there doing that because he knew I was a pastor and I wanted to make a good showing. I, I wasn't doing that so that he would think well of me. I was doing that because that's what common courtesy requires of us. If you had a repairman at your house... Uh, who left his family on a Saturday night to repair your air conditioner in a hundred and plus degree heat, whatever it was, you would have done the exact same thing. I know you would. That's just the kind of people you are. You're just courteous people. Okay. Simon didn't show Jesus common courtesy. He didn't have good motives for bringing him to his home. In fact, Simon was judgmental in his spirit towards the Lord, and towards the sinful woman. Not only did he cast judgment upon the woman by saying she is a sinner, but he cast judgment upon Jesus by saying within his own spirit, if this man were the prophet that everyone said in verse 16 that he is, he would have already known that this woman was a prostitute. He would never have allowed her to even touch his feet, much less wash them with the hairs of her head. And so Simon thought better of himself than he did of the woman of disrepute. And he thought better of himself than he did of Jesus, the Lord God. My friends, there's a lesson for us to learn in this, and that is that if we fail to look up to Jesus, 
we will look down on others. But if we look up to Jesus, we will not look down on others. The truth is that this man looked down on that woman because he looked down on Jesus. It was his only perspective. The truth is that Simon was a sinner man who violated the cultural norms of common kindness, who sat in the seat of judgment over others and ignored the sins of pride and of narcissism within his own heart. Simon was loveless. But we, we notice also the lowly sinner. Not only the loveless Simon, but the lowly sinner. And of course, that was the woman that sat at Jesus' feet. As I looked in my lexicon, I noticed that when it indicated that she, she sat at His feet weeping, it indicates that she was weeping audibly. They heard the cries. They, they heard the sobs of this woman as her te- tears fell upon the, the feet of Jesus. All around could see that she was moved by something, but Jesus knew precisely why she was moved. She was full of contrition for the sin that she had lived in and had become known for. Simon would never have allowed her into his home. Did he not see it as an opportunity at that moment to bring occasion against Jesus, to go back to the rulers of the Jews and say, he could never be a prophet for he, if he were, he would never have allowed this prostitute to touch him. But now we know And now he's a man that should be considered a sinner because he allowed her to touch him in a way that would not be lawful. The truth today is this, that the woman who was despised by the Pharisee was possessed of a humble spirit as she sat at the feet of Jesus with tears. And I'll remind you that the Bible tells us that God is nigh unto all them that are of a broken heart and all they that be of a contrite spirit. And so the Lord was there and He drew her close to His heart as she sat close to His feet. You see, for the woman was grateful for the love that Jesus the Savior and she could not contain her gratitude. What she did there was an effusive and spontaneous demonstration of love, which leads us to our next point, and that is the loving sacrifice. She began to pour out her love, to lavish her love upon Jesus. For you see, she understood the sin that she had lived in. She knew the depravity of her own flesh and heart. She recognized that her lifestyle was one of sin and shame. And yet, she understood that that was what the Lord had forgiven her of. And even as the Lord said, that she who was forgiven much has loved much. Simon didn't think he was a sinner at all. He pointed to the woman as the sinner. He ignored and dismissed the sin in his own heart. And consequently, he loved little, if at all. The truth is, 
that this woman, because of the love that she had for Jesus, allowed her life to become a living sacrifice, and it poured forth from a heart of deep gratitude and love for the Savior. And when we begin to understand the great love of God for, our li- for us, our lives will become a living sacrifice, even as we read of in Romans chapter 12, that I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. This woman prostrated herself before God. She washed His feet. She wept with contrition. She humbled herself. And she loved Him with the lavish ointment. She made a sacrifice unto God. And it was not anything that anybody forced upon her. It was something that flowed out of her spontaneously. Now let me say that No doubt all of us have been in a situation where we've been on a job and we have a boss that maybe isn't always the nicest. How many of you have ever had a boss that wasn't the nicest? Okay. And and then there's somebody in the office that's always kissing up to the boss. Uh, How many of you know that? (laughs) And uh, that person always comes up with a great idea around Christmas. We're going to get all the employees together and buy the boss a Christmas gift. And uh, so what they do is to get everybody, they know the guy's a jerk, but they're kissing up. And to get everybody on board with it, what they do is this. They go around and they tell everybody, we're taking up a collection to buy a gift for the boss. And we want everybody to put $20 in. And only the ones that put the money in get to sign the card. You know what that means? The boss is going to know who didn't give. So you know what we do about it? We gripe and complain. We moan about it to our spouse. But when payday rolls around, we peel out 20 bucks to put in the card so our name is is not on the boss's dirty list for the rest of the year, right? (laughs) Some of you have been in that scenario. And so you know what? You gave a gift to the boss, but you did it because you felt like you had to. You know what? This woman in the house of Simon didn't do what she did because anybody was watching. She didn't do it because she was trying to get off of somebody's dirty list. She didn't do it because she was guilt-tripped into doing it. She did it because she loved Jesus. And my friends, that is the highest and most noble motive for doing the things that we do for the Lord because we love Him. And when we understand the magnitude of sin that He has saved us from, we have the capacity to love much because when we understand we have been forgiven much, Jesus said we have the capacity to love much. Friends, I don't know who you might identify yourself with in this story, but the person that we should all identify with is that woman of disrepute because all of us have been cut out of the same bolt of cloth. All of us have been formed out of the same dust of the ground. All of us can hearken back to the same common father whose name is Adam and our sin though they be sins of the heart seen by no one but God, 
are no more favorable to God than the sins of this woman. And so we also must see ourselves, no matter what the sin may be, as those that are in need of His divine love and forgiveness. When we understand what He has forgiven us of, our lives will become a living sacrifice for a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord our God. And that leads us to the, the main character in this passage. The main character of this passage is none other than Jesus. And in Him we find the lovely Savior. The lovely Savior. I want you to see something about Simon. Simon sat in the seat of judgment. He looked down on this woman. He was judging her for sins past. For that which she could not change. None of us can change our past, can we? No. We can't remove that. And so that was Simon's focus. But do you know what Jesus was focused on? Her forever. He wasn't looking at what she has done in the past. Though he knew that, he was looking at her forever hereafter. He wanted to make sure that from henceforth and forevermore her life would never be the same again. And He was the only one that could effect such a change. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. Friends, the only one that could accomplish that was Jesus. And so He was not fixated on her past. Look, there are plenty of people that will remind you about the sins of your past, that will bring them up from years gone by and push them in your face as though God has not dealt with them and as though you were never contrite or penitent in your heart. They would gladly do that and in so doing they feel better about their own miserable, selfish, sinful condition. The fact is, that was Simon the Pharisee. It's interesting to me that as we go throughout the Gospels that we understand that most often those that were accusatory the Pharisees, the Pharisees that received the contempt of the Lord and the rebuke of the Lord, they were the ones that were constantly accusing. It was Jesus that was constantly forgiving. And when we manifest the spirit of the living Lord, it will be one of a forgiving spirit and not an accusatory and condemning spirit. Jesus saw the contrition of her heart and the love that she showed him And listen, the forgiveness that was given was offered because of His love, not because she paid a debt to Him. The debt could never have been paid by that woman. And so Jesus forgave the debt. But it wasn't because she washed His feet with the hairs of her head. It wasn't because she poured out an expensive ointment upon His feet as a sacrifice unto Him. It wasn't because she loved Him. It was because she believed Him. She believed Him. That is a requirement for forgiveness. It is not some work that we must do. And so, though Jesus knew her past and the shame of it, 
He chose to forgive her. And God alone can love you like that. God alone does love you like that. <coughs> and so we notice finally the lasting salvation. The lasting salvation. For the Bible tells us in verse 48, He said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. They sat at meat with they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? You know what Jesus was saying by the statement he made? I'm God. Because they knew and the law recorded that God only could forgive sin. And so, he who fulfilled all the law said, Thy sins are forgiven. And he said unto the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. The Lord declared that it was her faith that had saved her. Saved her from what? Saved her from condemnation. Saved her from the perils of hell. And she was not saved because she loved Jesus, as we have mentioned, or because she lavished some expensive gift upon Him. She was saved because she believed Him. He said, Thy faith hath saved thee. Understand that she worked for Jesus because He saved her. She sacrificed for Jesus not in order to be saved, but because she was saved. And she loved Jesus, not in order to be saved, but because He had saved her. And so, these things were evidence of the inward working of God in her life and of the belief that she came to that God alone could offer this to me. God alone would know my past and love me anyway. This must be Him. I believe that He is my Lord and He is my God. This salvation brought about an everlasting peace to her heart that nothing in this world could have ever given her. Simon would never have given this woman the time of day. Had Jesus not been there, and did He not see an occasion to ensnare Jesus with this woman, He no doubt would have asked her to leave. And everyone would have applauded His virtuous stand. This woman knew that night after night, she committed acts that were shameful. No doubt she could never look herself in the mirror for knowing the person that she had become and the things that she had done. And with that in mind, I want to share with you what we find in a study of the harmony of the Gospels. Jesus said, just before He entered into the house of Simon, in the chronology of the Gospels, the harmony of the Gospels, find the last thing that Jesus said before he entered Simon's house. I'm going to share it with you. I want you to listen carefully because I think it brings the whole message home. He said in Matthew 11, 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor 
and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. No doubt the burden she carried was greater than she could ever bear. No doubt the shame and stigma of her past was beyond her ability to deal with. And to that woman, the words went out, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And she did. And she did. And what Jesus said so many years ago, Come unto me is a call that's still going out today. You see, Jesus is love. The Bible declares it. He came into the house. There was a Pharisee that looked down upon it and rejected it. But there was a sinner woman that received it and was saved. And that salvation is available to all who will receive it. As we consider this, the last thing that Jesus said to the woman was this. Go in peace. And for the first time in her life, she did. Father God, we thank you that you love us, that you call us unto Yourself. Lord, I pray that those that are burdened with care and sin would come to a loving Savior and receive a lasting salvation. Our heads are bowed for just a moment. Perhaps you're seated here in this place and not really sure that you're on your way to heaven. You're concerned about that. You'd like to be sure. You'd say, Pastor Mark, I don't know that if I died today that I'd go to heaven. But I'm concerned about that. I'd like to be sure. If that's you today, I don't want to embarrass you. I'll not single you out. I'd just like to remember you in a moment of prayer. And so if you're concerned about where you'll spend eternity, you would say, Pastor, please pray for me. What if you just slip your hand up? Just put it up and write that down. I'll see where you're seated and remember you in prayer. God bless you. Is there someone else? Lord, I pray that you would be with each one today. Work in hearts long after the service is over. And Lord, I pray that we might respond to the loving Lord like this woman. May we not think more of ourselves than we should and look down upon others. Help us, God. We need thee. For this we pray in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, let me say this, that if you're not certain that you're on your way to heaven, don't leave the property before you seek somebody out. It would be our joy to tell you in a socially responsible setting 
how you can be sure of Him. If you're watching us online, give us a call, send us an email. We'll set up an appointment to talk to you and share the gospel with you. But really, if you, like this woman, just believe that you're a sinner and that you can't change that and that there's a penalty for sin and that Jesus paid it for you because He loves you and He offers it to you freely. The Bible in this passage says that that the, the Master frankly forgave His debtors. That means freely and willingly. God freely and willingly offers you eternal life in heaven with Him through the forgiveness of sins, purchased with blood. He went to the cross and He died. He was buried in a tomb. And after three days, He came to life again by His own power, proving that everything He has ever said is true and that He has the power to give you life everlasting. And if you'll believe that by faith today, the Bible says you will be saved. By faith shall save thee. And you can go in peace. And that's the truth. If you believe that, embrace it in your heart, and today you'll be saved. And that's the truth. Thank you for joining us. Those online that have joined us, we'll be back tonight at 6 p.m. for our evening service and online service only. We hope that you'll come. And for those that are here in the auditorium, thank you for, for coming here. This is metaphorically the feet of Jesus. And you've come to worship Him because you love Him. I know it. And I want you to know how much I appreciate it. Thank you for being here today. Thank you.